0: This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network.
1: Dine Local SD, serving up the latest in the San Diego culinary world with a pinch of history. I'm your host, Kelly Orange, and today on the podcast, I have Chef Jason McLeod, He is chef partner of Ironside, Fish and Oyster, and Olive (coughs) Olive Consortium Holdings. Um, He was born and raised in uh, British Columbia, Canada. He has traveled the world to train with a lot of prestigious chefs in the industry and is also a two-star Michelin chef. Um, Chef Rob Ruiz is the chef owner of the Land and Water Company. Um, He is an outspoken advocate for responsibly sourced and traceable food. He's an Oceanside native, and he has most recently, 2016, received a global recognition for his dedication to improving fishing and seafood industry practices at the Ocean Awards held in London by the Blue Marine Foundation and Boat International.
2: Whoop, whoop. whoop de <laughs> um,
1: We also have David Hayworth, who is a local San Diego fisherman, born and raised in San Diego, and began commercial fishing at the age of nine.
2: Which is only 10 years ago.
1: Yes, <laughs> Young
2: one.
1: (laughs) Um, So today we wanted to talk about the Rising Tide event that you guys are doing tomorrow evening at the Land and Water Co. And um, talk about um, the importance of sustainable seafood and what you guys are doing supporting the local fishermen as well.
2: Cool. Absolutely. Well, We'll let Rob kind of start it because he's the uh, vision of this dinner tomorrow night. (laughs) So we'll let him put the pressure on him. I'd like to
3: do that. (laughs) Uh, thank, you. Thank, you, my, thank you, my kind friend. Um, I guess um, I had an opportunity um, to to get something on the calendar uh, to kick off spring, in a spring, beginning of summer here. And, um, you know, in the years of the restaurant scene here in San Diego, there's been countless farm-to-table dinners and a lot of farming, and, you know, I understand it, and I'm a full advocate of it. But as far as our fishing goes, I feel like, Our San Diego was built on a legacy of fishing. It was in the 70s, the tuna capital of the world. The boroughs of our city are divided uh, based upon the original culture of fishing and different fishing uh, villages or nationalities kind of settling into the city, and that's why Little Italy is Little Italy and Barrio Logan is Barrio Logan. It's where the fishermen settled. It's a fishing town, and um, it's our – you know, it's our most important cultural history. And right now through the success of the tuna Harbor dockside (coughs) market, um, and the recent, um, redevelopment program that's going to be implemented down here in seaport village and in our Harbor. Um, I really wanted the chance to showcase one of the most valuable assets in our city, which is our commercial fishing, our direct access to some of the most, you know, beautiful seas and, and bountiful seas, uh, in the world. And, uh, families that build our city that build this culture and that uh you know we need to make sure that they have a a well paved road for the future and a home here in our harbor forever and uh, that's kind of where the idea for the event came from um and then i just reached out to the most important people in my life and there's a couple of them here today so that's about it How's that? Cool. How's that? that was pretty, good. That was, pretty good. that was very good. That was, pretty good. <laughs> okay. that was very good.
2: That's, you, that's, you impress me every time you speak. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I mean, you know, for for us, you know, um, Rob and I have you know become friends over the last few years, and, and obviously obviously both have two seafood restaurants that open pretty much almost the same time. I think yeah. within a couple months of each other. Yeah, and we became friends through that, and and I think you know this industry has always been about you know obviously friendship for me. And it was always, you know, everyone asked me how I got into cooking and why. And, you know, did my grandma cook? Did my mom? And I didn't come from a cooking family, a passionate cooking family. I just fell in love with the people in the industry. And, you know, obviously me Rob and Rob and, and JoJo and Drew, who are also going to be at the dinner, and Juan Carlos um, tomorrow night. Through that, you know, we've made new friends for me in San Diego, and that's the fishermen, you know, that we buy our fish from. And it's become even more than just buying fish in a business relationship has become family and, you know, knowing the kids and knowing, you know, the dads and the sisters and the moms. And to me, that is what makes this relationship extra special for me. And, you know, and, and obviously learning about the struggles of our fishing industry and, and hearing it firsthand from our fishermen, you know, what they go through on a day-to-day basis, you know, the struggles they have when, you know, it's 85 degrees in in, in downtown San Diego and, but, you know, 30 miles out, there's wind storms and the guys can't go out in their boats and what that means to them, they can't make money. Mm-hmm. So it, it really has been for us the last, you know, roughly two years, you know, um, we opened Ironside three years ago, but in the last two years we've really forged this relationship and constantly asking questions, you know, how can we help? What can we do? How do we keep this business alive for many, many generations? And to me, you know, hopefully... This dinner we do tomorrow night is just another piece of that and building that relationship and hopefully educating, you know, others about what San Diego and what fishing means to San Diego and with some of these incredible fishermen and listening to their stories. Um, So that's pretty special. So I'm really excited to be a part of this dinner tomorrow night. A lot of fun.
1: Yeah. So you said um, Drew Drew Deckman. Mm -hmm. Yes. He's also part of it. Jojo Ruiz from Lionfish. And Drew Deckman is... um,
3: Drew is from the uh, his restaurant is El Magor or Deckman's at Magor in Guadalupe. In. But I wanted to make sure that uh, Drew sent me a message today about him not being here. So, Drew, we miss you very much. <laughs> <laughs> so Drew is you know obviously he's down in in the Valle
2: and, and down in Mexico and and uh, but also you know has the same message we have you know he's doing the same thing down there you know, or when he comes up here and, you know, does meals with us and dinners with us, he's, yeah. you know, has the same beliefs and the same philosophy and trying to do the same thing. And, you know, it's just pretty special, you know, mm-hmm. and, and then Juan Carlos at the Ceviche House, mm-hmm. you know, is coming and another you know, you know, chef you'll see down at Tuna Harbor most Saturdays saying yeah. hi, you know, doing the right things, you know, and it, and it's, it's pretty neat to see, you know, because it, it really is about, you know, trying to build that relationship. And sometimes it's hard, you know, it's hard to get down there on Saturday morning sometimes, but I think, you know, it, it's a responsibility that um, it's, it's fun. You know, you go down you have a fish sandwich at tuna loaf or loaf and, loaf fish, and fish, sorry, yeah. you know, loaf, loaf and fish. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you just chat with the family, you know, and the kids are working the market, you know, and it's just, I don't know, it's a really nice feel to it. And you see the tourists coming in and people buying fish and asking questions and, and seeing things that they may never have seen before, you know. And, and to me, that's, it, it makes it pretty special. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. And uh, for us as fishermen, it's neat to interact with the public and the restaurant owners and have them come down and um, explain what they're doing with the fish and, mm-hmm. you know, how they're cooking it, you know, because we tell them some of our recipes, they tell us some of theirs. And it's been really neat utilizing, whole, you know, the whole fish and all the different parts that they've done, you know, stuff that we never realized was could be done with the mm-hmm. fish. And so it, it's a really, you know, it's a good thing. And so we really um, enjoy working you know, directly with the restaurants and the rest, when we don't have fish, some of our fish goes to the restaurants from other places, you know, other, you know, they're getting it from other people. Mm-hmm. And just, it seems like we have a really good relationship, you know, with with the, yeah. the restaurants that are coming down there. We enjoy having them come down in the morning and pick their fish or, you know, we sometimes give it to them, you know, the day before or whatever, or the day after, but yeah, it's really working out good.
3: Yeah.
2: yeah well, and I think it's about, you know, and, and it, it's, it's always a two way street, you know, and I think it's, the, the great thing about what I've found with my, building my relationship with the, with the fishermen in Tuna Harbor is is just asking a lot of questions, you know, and because – and then the fishermen ask us a lot of questions too. How can we do better for you? What do you need? What makes it easier for you guys? Because, you know, it's, it's a tough business both sides. You know, I, yeah. I really do believe restaurants and fishermen are, are – you know, the, that fishing business is very similar in a lot of ways. You know, there's just a lot of factors that go into, you know, trying to make a living. You know, and and it's a struggle, and I think that. But when you ask those questions, and and both parties are really flexible and want to do better and want to know what the other one's looking for, that's when you have success. Amen. And I think that's what I found the biggest thing is, you know, talking a lot with Dave, you know, specifically about different fish and you know what's coming in, and and you know, and they let us know what's coming in ahead of time or 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 you know next week's going to be tough the weather forecast is you know because you forget like I say earlier living in San Diego you forget 30 miles out there's a storm I mean we live in a bubble in San Diego where we think the weather's beautiful every day yeah. and so they but they let us know they communicate they plan you know and it it's you know and if they have fish that you know they need help you know um you know at the end of the market on Saturday they have some fish that didn't sell you know they call us and we take it we know that we'll sell it you know and it's building that relationship as well that they know that they have someone they can call you know to help them move that fish you then, know and we're fortunate to have that relationship
0: that's been really important for mm-hmm. us i mean this week you got a few tunas yep. from us and you know every week um you know most a lot of times we sell out but you know every week if we have extra we call them you know we have you know and you know it really helps us cuz right. you know so it's it's um you know real convenient like he says with the weather I feel guilty because I'm talking to my boat. He's, he was foul fishing a thousand miles right now. And he's out there working his way back in. He's halfway in right now and it's blowing 40 and they're rolling around. And <laughs> I said, well, the weather's the same as it was yesterday. and the same." I'm sitting there looking at the ocean from my house. I go, it's very nice. And, you know, I'm sitting there looking at Mission Bay and it's this beautiful weather. Yeah. I feel, I talked to him this morning. And I felt guilty. Yeah. And then my son's on a, on a boat on the, on his way out to the grounds because they're they're fishing for the big eye tuna right now. Yeah, and yeah, they left last you know last Monday when it yeah. was blowing forty. Yeah, so they oh, had man. three days. He said waves were just crashing sure. over the boat, and they were just on their way out there. You know, yeah. so yeah. you know, it's you kind of almost feel
3: guilty. Yeah, you do. San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> There's uh, one one top one point also about the dinner that we're doing is really important. Is um. This event is a slow food urban and a slow fish event, and they're backing it. And Sarah Scoffler is the head of the slow food urban here in San Diego. And that also relates to Drew Deckman. Drew is the head of the slow fish Baja, basically, Mm -hmm. and um, has brought me along into that slow fish family where, you know, basically they're extremely uh, strong advocates about Uh, you know, responsibly sourcing your products, but all the way down to the time and distance that your products have to travel to get to your restaurant or to get to your plate, basically. Mm -hmm. So for our our event, the Rising Tide event, is that it's all local San Diego produce. It's all local San Diego farms, if not our own friends that are farmers bringing us. And then the same thing with the fish is that it's all our local San Diego fishermen that are putting those proteins on the plates. That relationship is a big deal because that has taken this event to where Slow Food International is a global, and they believe in in honest and fair food for everyone. So it's not it's so it is an event that co- co- covers all sides of the food scene. It's just that we are focusing on what this relationship has been here with the Tuna Harbor Market and the t- and the Tuna Harbor Market being uh, uh, it was a prototype for a year or so, and then it, I believe it was a. Governor Jerry Brown or someone that signed the bill into law that allows the commercial fishermen to congregate and directly sell their catch to the public. Mm-hmm. And then like what you guys are saying about with family, obviously, you know, your son's out on his way and the family's down at like Kelly's wife and the yep. kids work in the lovin fishing yep. spot. And then for me, it was, it, it's about discovery, you know, it's about like, you know, we've worked so hard to, fu- you know, we're chefs and we're doing our restaurants in the right place with the right light and the design and the plates and all this stuff, but you know, you're forgetting that at the the human kind of element to it, and so, mm-hmm. like you're saying, is asking questions. Is is we do the same thing too, and and we end up discovering better ways from talking with the fishermen. You know, from you guys sharing the the the, the war stories. Yeah. You know, yeah. So and
2: again. it is, and I think it's it's a real it's a neat piece for for us. What we find is you know because again, the fishing in a world has some you know black eyes or scars or you know some some uh what do they call it fake news out there is that the yeah. hot topic Fitness. nowadays yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah exactly. a little bit you know and i think for us um what i what i love about the relationship is you know you know we deal with a lot of guests that come in and you know we have a thresher shark on the menu for example mm-hmm. and people hear shark and we've had guests walk out of the restaurant because of it without even listening to why we serve that species, you know, and not even understand. They just see, they hear of shark finning, they hear of all these things that go on in other parts of the world, but not realizing how strict our laws are here in Southern California and what it takes, you know, uh, to bring that shark on, on land. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and the, and the, and so for us, it's, you know, and, and I'm, you know, and and to have that kind of, you know, phone call to the fishermen and ask questions and say, how should I, what do you think? Well, how should I explain this next time to the guests? It's, it's amazing, you know, and then I can educate our servers and our staff to do the same thing, right. you know, and that would happen a little bit more just as we open. And now our, our staff are well educated on it. They understand why we do this, and then they explain it to the guests right then and there. And it's been this really nice, you know, so we can start using species that, you know, are caught by our local fishermen, not yeah. just the ones everyone talks about. You yeah, know, right. we get a good variety.
0: Now yeah, I, you have a really good platform yeah. for, to educate. Absolutely. You know, and, and I think it's really important what he does there because when you have a server that doesn't know what they're serving, we I had some – I was um, at the meetings at Scripps, and we went yeah. down and had dinner at, at a restaurant in La Jolla there, and they had swordfish. And so yeah. I knew it wasn't local, yeah. but I, I just wanted to see what the server said. And I said, where's the swordfish? He said, it's farm-raised swordfish yeah. you know and I, I was just like oh boy I'm not even going to bother yeah. with that yeah. so it's really important and, and we really like what you guys are doing educating the public yeah. because yeah. you're going to get Out of 100 people, there's going to be two people that might walk out. But you have 98 people that loved it and enjoyed it. Oh, absolutely. And so that's what I, you know, because we were selling some bluefin. And we see the most bluefin we've ever seen in the the last four years out here. Right. But the scientists say that they're going extinct. They put out a, a, you know, the environmental groups put out this. And so people don't want to eat them. So we were selling some. And I took some bluefin to a broth. Oh, we can't. We won't buy these anymore. Yeah.
3: You know what? I'm really stoked because I wanted to mention a little bit about what we talked about in the meeting yesterday. Because I don't remember exactly the words, but what they were, we had a we Dave and I were at a meeting at NOAA's Southwestern Fisheries Science Center with Tommy Gomes from Catalina Offshore, and we were there uh, serving our own locally caught food to the fishermen that were there to 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 kind of organize the infrastructure of these skippers of of saying that we are very close to becoming the not the most sustainable fishery in the nation if not, yeah. if, not Probably the right, world. if not the world not the world, world. Yeah. so say, so it was a it was a push for what we were the tuna capital of the world in the 70s well now it's like we're following the, the we have the strictest restrictions on the fishermen the most uh high level of enforcement in the world with observers going on the boats and everyone monitoring what's being done and yet the fishermen have still found a way to bring in the catch and do it the right way. And where our goal is to soon be within the next few years recognized as San Diego can be the n- most sustainable fishing community in the world, you know? right? Mm-hmm. Um, but there was another point that I'm totally spacing on because the coffee hasn't kicked in yet. <laughs> it um, is early for us yeah. You um, need a highball <laughs> energy drink. <laughs> 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 or two. <laughs> no, but it was about um, – it was about the, the seasonality of fish. One thing that people don't realize is the seasonality and what the fishermen have to go through with when they have closures of sp- certain parts of our waters that they can't fish, you know, or in like with serving the thresher shark. Uh, we talked with the, one of the scientists at NOAA yesterday and she at our, the event, sorry, and she's been studying thresher for 40 years and she's like, people don't understand that the populations have come back. That a thresher has a smaller mouth. That's eating lower down on the food chain. That it's super good for you, and that it's in abundance here in San Diego. And then uh, I also love Jay because Jason, because of when he's not serving salmon, because we're not in Canada and the salmon's not in season. So instead of him bringing in salmon from all over the world to his place, he's like, "Well, when the when our salmon season starts and we can start to get California kings mm-hmm. and work up the coast, then he'll carry it." But the same thing, people walk in, they're like, you don't have salmon? This is a seafood restaurant? Right. <laughs> and yeah. that's
1: the only thing I eat. Yeah. So. Yeah, that
2: was, yeah, that was a struggle when we first opened. It was one of the biggest complaints we had was you can't be a seafood restaurant if you don't have salmon on the menu. Yeah. And it, again, and it was about educating, you know. But and over time and, you know, to me in, in, a, in almost a selfish way, I guess in some ways, you know, having the fishermen, the local guys, when they walk through that, we always time it that they come during lunch. Yeah. Um, you know, because the restaurant's, you know, full with lunch customers. Then all of a sudden the guys walk through with a, you know, 150 pound swordfish or some tunas or a shark yeah. and pe- the restaurant just goes silent. Yeah. And they're just like, wow. And then it, it's neat. Cause the servers get proud, you know, yeah. cause all of a sudden they can talk about it. They know the fishermen coming in, you know, we keep, we have the fishermen on the menu, yeah. you know, and they can say, Oh, that's Dave walking in with that's what you know, mm-hmm. that's what we get from Dave or that's Kelly walking. And that's what we get from Kelly. And so it's, it's, it's all part of that, but it was a struggle and, and our servers were uncomfortable at first because like, it really was like three or four guests out of 10 mentioned salmon yeah. and we realized real quick. And it was something I didn't even think about when we, we opened the restaurant that we had to talk about that to our servers. We had to re go back and start retraining and let them know, you know, that this is why we do this, you know, right. and it, it was hard and it was hard on the servers. It was uncomfortable for them, you know? And and I think once they got stronger and understood it just became natural and and now those questions don't happen. We don't even hear salmon questions anymore. And it's kind of, that to me is what, Makes it also worth it, you know, because people are listening, and mm-hmm. I think that's just keep getting that word out and, and and having people understand what the luxury we have of living in San Diego with these great fishermen, mm-hmm. and, the, and like Rob said earlier, the history of San Diego and that fishing, yeah, it's it's incredible, you know, yeah. and it's we're, something we, we got to be proud of.
3: Yeah, and like we as chefs, it's like it's like when we when when like Jason and I travel, we go to other countries basically, and we're going to walk into a chef's kitchen. We'll always like, you know, I'm not going to touch a plate in that kitchen unless the chef says touch that plate. You right. know? <laughs> It's a, you're showing respect to protocol, and I think that what we're trying to do is, like, none of us would be here if the fishermen didn't come here and set up shop and find that this is a good place to be, you know? So, in a way, it's like we're, we're paying respect to them for opening the door and letting us be here to have something to put on a plate, you know? Mm-hmm. And I did want to touch real quick on the, the bluefin that you're talking about yeah. that I've struggled. I made mean, Jason and I, we've struggled. Yeah. It's a huge topic, and and so I've worked super hard through Southwestern Fisheries Science Center and finding these people who are the experts on bluefin tuna in the world, you know, because there's two experts: there's the fisherman expert and there's a science expert, you know. And then us chefs with our big egos and attitudes kind of get in the way, right? <laughs> we think we're experts. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, I, well, well, because I'm, I, I can I can say that you know I work in a restaurant and I I cook and I can and I can try to cut some fish, but I'm not a fisherman and I'm not a scientist. But I can listen and I can repeat what they tell me. And what I found is that in the world, the, the bluefin tuna that's being sucked out of the Pacific and it's all, all the problem is that the U.S. market, the amount that the United States consumes of bluefin is like 2% of the 96% global catch. And that if the United States and if the U.S. fisheries, if we're not going out and catching bluefin… Then when it comes where they have a table meeting and they're going to decide the fate of the bluefin, the U.S. doesn't get to have a say because we're not fishing that species. And then what I found is that what these guys say is that if you are getting a bluefin from a local San Diego fisherman that's following the strictest quotas in the world, the highest enforcement, the observers on his boats, his catch is being monitored, then that's the best bluefin tuna you want to buy. Because you know it's coming from the right way, the right person, and also what the slow fish movement hashtag is is know your fisherman. So if I know Dave and he's bringing his boat into San Diego Harbor and he's sitting low in the water full of bluefin tuna, then I know that that's the bluefin tuna. If I'm going to buy, it, that's where I'm going to buy it, and that's who I'm going to buy it from because I know he's done the right thing. You know, if you're bu- if you're ordering something off of some sheet that's been frozen coming from some country that you can't pronounce, that's a mistake, mm-hmm. right? right? You know. It's about knowing your fishermen and that specialty produce, knowing your farmer. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, couldn't be said any better. And, and Rob and I have talked about bluefin specifically together, you know, and it's uh, one thing that always stuck with me with Rob, you know, because you do, you, you, you do at times feel pressure, you know, from your guests, you know, and, and what you read and, and so on. But, you know, being committed to a plan, I think is more important. And I think, <clears throat> excuse me, the one thing Rob, and we talked about Bluefin was, it always stuck with me. He said, look, so this is how I kind of see it. You know, we're buying local, we're supporting these guys. We know what they go through with, with all the rules and regulation. And once that fish comes, you know, we don't want it to go to waste. Yeah. You know, we want to respect that product. You know, it's been so, caught, you know, because it was, it was one of those things where you really do, you kind of, you're weary of, you know, cause you do get you know, but again, like Rob said, if you know if it's local and it's off Dave's boat, then we know that we're going to use it.
3: Yeah, right. you know, and so, we're going to be okay yeah. with it. Yeah, and an, and,
2: and another yeah. product that we don't talk a lot about, um, you know, and Dave and I have had a lot of conversations about it. And again, for us, the bigger picture is support and through ups and downs because it's one thing to support during the ups, but when things are down, a lot of people run. Yeah, and I think for me is you know we bought we buy frozen whole fish from Dave. And, you know, and, and people are always a little nervous when you say frozen, you know, because it's just a bad thing, but I'm okay saying it. You know, I know where I'm getting it from. Dave tells me exactly how it's processed, how it's looked at. And through the off season, when we can't get fish, when a lot of fishing's down, I know I have Dave as a resource that he's respected the fish that he has. And, and I would bet my life on it that people cannot tell side by side, you know, the product that Dave gives us. And I think to me that... Again, I struggled within myself at first because, you know, all the things I was kind of taught and told about is, you know, fresh as, you know, obviously. But to me, it was about educating myself, speaking with Dave, having long conversations. And, you know, and if, you know, every once in a while, there would be a bad fish. You don't know until you open it up. But, you know, i talking to Dave about it. What do we do next time? How do we do this? And I think for me. I don't know. It it really is the commitment all the way. It can't be just when things are good. And I think that's a bit of a struggle still that, you know, you gotta understand that these fishermen have to make a living all year, not just when fishing season's on. So how do they do that?
1: Right. It's building building that level of trust.
2: Absolutely. You know, that
1: that you know that they want to give you the the best product and that they're doing the best for you as well as for themselves. Absolutely.
2: Really important. And yeah, I think yeah. that to me is I don't know, is, is, again, it's, you gotta be in all the way, you know, and really understand and educate yourself so you can talk about it, you know, and understand how that, fish is being treated, right. you know, on the boat and it's being, you know, Dave's not freezing the fish cause it's, you know, 25 days old. He's, you know, it's coming off the boat and being frozen because they're planning ahead. Right. They understand what they need to do with their catch, you know, and they're responsible for that.
3: Yeah. And, and most of and, these people that are complaining about it being frozen or not, they don't realize like that that's every restaurant unless they can walk <laughs> in and see a chef back there and, or, and see what's going on every restaurant that all these people have been eating at they've been getting low quality frozen imported fish shoveled onto their plates for years for decades but, mm-hmm. and these are the ones who are going to complain about it mm-hmm. you know they don't know what they're talking so, about really
0: this yeah. is w- what we really appreciate about working with you guys is it's it's tr- trouble for you guys also to um like you can call up a wholesaler and say i want 20 pounds of loin and they'll have it delivered to you and it makes it really easy you just know you're going to have exactly this loin where did that loin come from who knows or you know they'll tell you country of origin yeah. and so when you buy a fish from us you have to cut it open and every tuna is a little different you know how it died when we fought it how long it was some can be and so you have, you don't know it's till you cut it open yeah. you know exactly what it is and so like if you buy 10 tunas from us you uh, Five of them will probably be number ones or four will be number ones and you'll have some number twos and then probably one or two will be a number, you know, number yeah. three grade, you know, which is fine, but it's just cooking. It's, you know, you have, you know, it's, it, you have to cook it. And then I wanted to touch on the bluefin. Back to that for a minute is that it was super discouraging. You had touched on it when we were negotiating because we went to negotiations with our quota for bluefin, and this is just rough estimates. It's not down to exactly, but mm-hmm. let's say Japan got 15,000 tons quota. Um, Mexico got 7,000 tons over two years. I'm talking, um, Mexico. Um, yeah, over two years, and we get 700, you know, 600 and some tons over two years. Wow. And, like, it's 300 and some a ton, and Mexico's catching 3,000. Yeah. And it's the same fish. We can see them fishing there, and so it's pretty discouraging for us. We see them setting on, you know, right on the border. We're sometimes fishing side by side, and, and it's, you know, it's kind of sad for us. And then, you know, sometimes, like you say, you feel like a criminal. You call someone, oh, we don't want to buy them. Yeah. And then just real quick on the science, they're not even counting the fish over here. They're counting, they're using the science from Japan, you know, for the, the log books and stuff from over, you know, across on the other side so of other the, side Pacific. the Pacific. Yeah. And they're not counting these. And what happens with fish, highly migratory, is what happened is they're stacking up over here right now. I tell people it's like Club Med over here for them because <laughs> we're not allowed to fish them. Yeah, and sure. there's fish yeah. from here all the way to Canada, and they just swim around and we have to look at them. Yeah. So, you know, it, it is discouraging. Um, I know our government's trying hard, but when we go to negotiations with Japan and Mexico, they just eat us alive. Yeah. And well, so it's It's kind it's so of like,
3: it's, it's like they're, they've t- they're tying your arm behind your back while everybody else is playing with two hands. Yeah. 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 And, and 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 I see both sides of it, and, and because I have been lucky that you know, like the access to the history. I mean, you, just the the sitting around and talking with a group of fishermen. You know, like I wish Pete Halme was here because he has he's got all the jokes about about fishermen and their tall tales or whatever. But um, yeah. but you really do. You learn about like like what I learned in our meeting the other day about well, when we're out at sea and I have a crew. This is what the crew eats. You mm-hmm. know. And uh, Josh was, was the fisherman there that I was thinking was, yeah, talking. Yeah. And he was like, it's like when a fish comes on board out at sea, I mean, they're taking the visceral organs or, t- you know, they slice it out. They'll salt the stomachs, hang them up and deep fry them crispy. The fins, the every single thing, the whole head goes into a soup stock. So it's like when they're out at sea and you realize how limited your access is to resources that nothing gets wasted. And that mentality is kind of like what we're bringing from the boat into the kit, into the restaurant so. kind mm-hmm. of. And there's a lot of guys doing it. And the, and the name of the Rising Tide event is because there are guys like David Waite at Rancher It. Yeah. You know, amazing. that guy's he's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> Incredible. The, the No Way Always Chef or whatever, right? Yeah. And then Tommy Gomes and the guys at Catalina the Collaboration Kitchens. And their, mm-hmm. their movement and they're pushing behind it as well. You know, obviously everyone is, we're all businessmen here. We're trying to run it. But what I see happening is like if you go back three years ago before, yeah. before Ironside or before yeah. Land and Water, before what was going on. At least now there's like – there's kind of like a, a – the the tide has raised up these restaurants as boats that now we can all interact together and that we're we're pushing this movement forward. You know, and it's – a you know, I mean like when I – before, you know, I used to be a dishwasher to a fry cook to a short order cook to whatever. And, and, you know, I would be out in Hawaii in this little hole in the wall somewhere and my mom would come over from the mainland and visit and I would always be so excited and I would make her like the best – baked potato I had <laughs> and the best lobster tail and like, you know, because, you know, she was coming in to see me and I was just like a low totem pole guy on the back of the house, but it was so important to me to make my mom that best plate, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I think about that now with what Jason is saying about the families and the relationships involved and with the families, like with Dave here going out, it's that same feeling is like, if I, if I feel that I'm just like, I'm serving this guest a, a plate to a guest, I feel it like I'm serving it to my mom. So if you have these fishermen and these chefs involved of this high caliber that really are willing to do the work, then that's where the guest is going to reap the reward and the, the city and the environment will as well. You know, it's like a, how do you tell about like, Oh, well, is this piece of fish good or is this piece not because I'm the chef. I had to eat it before I served it to you. So I know it's good, Mm -hmm. you know, but the things like, the, like w- how every tuna is different talking with Dave, it's like he's in different parts of the ocean where these tuna are feeding in different ways. And, so, you know, some of them are having to scavenge for a long time to find bait and they're getting leaner and other ones just happen to stumble on big bait balls and fatten up, you know? So it, it's, it is a wild product. And I think it's kind of like, it's the last wild product that man can't control, you know?
2: Yeah. Which is incredible.
3: Yeah. Give <clears throat> so. me. Oh, no. Yeah, cause we
0: had a complaint a couple years ago about the tuna color, and they're out here eating red crabs. You know, because yeah. they're a little pinkish or something. They're saying, hey, what's, why is this – and I yeah. think it's from them eating the red crabs. Yeah. yeah. Well, th- know, so. those
3: in those tuna crabs, those red yeah. crabs, are, <laughs> those are something I learned about. I had no idea that no, there was, that no there would idea. be these blooms of these beautiful little mini red – like crimson red crawfish – called tuna crabs because yeah. when those when they bloom what i was hearing down at the dockside market is they're like there's all this freaking crab out there all the tuna are stuffed they're yeah. they're full they're not eating you know <laughs>
0: the, the calico bass the yeah. Yeah. Everything club man you
3: know you, you like the crab today yeah, okay. yeah. of course i would yeah <laughs> um but that's another thing too it's talk, like uh plan b fisheries you know i mean you got right down there on the dock you can yep. walk down there every day and as as like, as, you know, I've been lucky to spend more time with my nephews lately and to be able to take, you know, a four-year-old kid or down to a, a place on the dock where they can put their hand in the water and pull out a crab or a sea urchin or see yeah. see the our Pacific spot prawns like swimming in a tank, you know? I mean, that's, those type of memories, like, well, those make fishermen out of little kids when they see those yeah. things, you know? We, we had a,
0: we were selling live sheep's head down at the market and um, somebody grabbed one. They bought it from us. And then they came back and wanted to return it because it's kicking too much. <laughs> they wanted yeah. us to kill it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A fun, you know, Of course, of course. That's funny. Oh, man. So <laughs>
1: what days are, is the Dockside Market open?
0: Um, it's open every Saturday
3: from 8 to 1, just okay. just one day a week right yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. We're trying to, you know, the whole – we're trying to raise awareness for that because, you know, I think people are, think – uh, you know, oh, fish, you know, I don't really eat fish that much. or I don't really bring fish home to my family that much. Or, you know, oh, we'd, maybe we eat seafood when we go out. But but what if people can, would sit down and do the math, you can eat locally responsibly, responsibly with, a, I mean, with an absolute clean lifestyle minimum impact. You can go down to that market. You can get yourself one fish. And that fish will can can feed you and your family for four or five days. You can make uh, different soups and chowders. You can make grilled fillets. You can scrape the cages and get the meat off it and make little fish cakes and fry them crispy. All these different things by buying one fish for like twelve dollars as opposed to spending $20 for a family every time you go out and eat, you know?
0: Well, $20 every time you go yeah. out and eat, it's more like 100 <laughs> well, for a family. Well, I guess that's the... I mean, know where I can go for 20 bucks. Yeah. Taco Bell. <laughs> <Yeah. Yeah. laughs> to piggyback on what Rob's
2: saying, too, is I, I, I think it's some you know, as people start to realize and understand, they start to see a little bit into the future instead of being nearsighted. You know, the fish that you buy on Saturday, a lot of it's been out of the water for less than 24 hours. And, and you could buy enough to last you the week. Right. Yeah. That fish is so fresh, yeah. you know? And I think that's where people need to understand that if they go down and they only buy one fish, oh, because I don't want it to go bad. But on next Wednesday, they're going to buy fish or Tuesday from some supermarket that who knows how long that fish has been floating yeah. around. It's two weeks old, probably minimum. Yeah. And I think that's where, that's where our responsibility is. And what we take on is educating, educating, educating. And I think if, if they understand, they have a, a tent down there that'll fillet the fish for you. And buy the yeah. whole fish; they'll flay it right yeah. for you, yeah. and and you know, and that's why I like being down there. And every once in a while, someone will come up and ask questions, and you know, the fishermen will say, "Hey, we'll talk to these guys; they're the chefs that can give you tips." And you know, and and we, I speak a lot about that. I said, "Look, if I was coming down as a as a guest, I would look at okay, what? How many times do I want to eat fish next week? Three times. I'm going to buy enough fish for three, and and have it ready and store it, you know, on ice or even freeze a fillet, you know, and pull it out yeah. because you know that fish was frozen at at its peak. Yeah, and I think that's where. You know, we still have to get our those guests that go down on Saturday just a little bit more understanding that, like, you, you cannot buy fresher fish than right there. There's nowhere you can do that. Yeah. Yeah, and I think so. that is really important for people to understand and planning their week. You know, so instead of buying one fish, they're buying two fish maybe now. Yeah. And I think that is really important for the health and the growth of our, and, our fishing and, industry.
0: And also, we, we have the fillets that are pretty reasonable. Absolutely. And yeah. some people feel like, oh, we don't want to buy a whole fish, let's say. So they can buy the fillets. And I mean, most of the prices on their fillet are, you know, between $10, you know, for my my Ono and $12 for Opa, $16 for swordfish, $16 for halibut for fillets. And you can't touch that price anywhere. It's it's amazing. It's the
3: the best prices, hands down. And
0: and like this weekend, we have um, my one longline boat is going to be in the Pacific horizon. So, um, you know, he has a lot of um, big eye tuna and Opa. And so we're going to – I didn't even – I kept all the Opa for the market. So we're going to have like 20-some Opa, and I'm just going to sell them through the market instead of to the other markets. And then – so he's going to be coming in this Saturday. So it's going to be a – you know, we'll have a lot of fish. It's a good day if you want, like uh, tuna and Opa. We're going to have a lot of those. And hopefully – Guys are going to come in with some rockfish and sheep's head because that season just opened. Amen.
3: Nice. The the number one Jay at Ironside. He was one of the first dudes who started doing the whole fish mm-hmm. where you could come in and choose out how many in your party, four, five, six people. And then you could pick out one fish that he'll bake off whole for you. And then they'll come out. It comes out to the table whole. They show you how to eat it and you get to eat one fish that would feed like, it's like a biblical experience, you know? It's like your leader, you know? Um, So that, and and we're trying to show people that, that we're trying to show people that the whole fish is where it's at to utilize the whole thing, you know? Another um, point um, about the whole fish is when you make a soup stock at home, I mean, literally uh, put on some water, throw in an onion, a carrot, and throw in the head of one of these fish that you get at the market. There's a woman, uh, Louise Hay. Louise Hayes, the Hayes Foundation, and um, a woman named Heather Dane that let me do a recipe for one of their cookbooks. That's the bone broth mm-hmm. cookbook, which is of big rage right now yeah. Of, yeah. Of, of the nutrients that are in stocks and liquids and soups made from bone. And one of the best things about making a fish stock is that you get that same bone broth level of nutrients in your stock by going to the market and get, and getting a whole fish. You, know, you could just go in there and ask for the heads, Or the cages, and it's going to be the best quality that you can get because it's the freshest that you can get. I mean, you can watch the guys open up their boats and pull fish out and put it out on ice, and you can pick it up and buy one and take it home. So I think that's awesome.
2: It's incredible. And, and when you're down there on Saturdays, when it's a busy Saturday, it's it's so nice to see because you can see Dave, he'll be up there, you know, talking to his guys. The boat would be parked out there sometimes and they'll be like filleting Opa to order fillets to get it up because they've sold so much. So you see how fresh yeah. and right. that connection, it's like coming right off the boat onto, onto your hands yeah. to take home. And you just, you can't beat that. Yeah. You know, there's nowhere else that you can do that. And I think that's, you know, and the best time to be down there is at like, 7:45, because yeah. you'll see people start to line up and those are the savvy shoppers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they know what they're doing. They're down there and they're, they're there early and ready to rock. Yep. And, you know, to watch that is it's incredible, you know, and I think for us, you know, it, it's a really nice feel to know that, you know, this is happening. And I think that, you know, the struggles are always going to be there um, either way, whether, you know, guests, like all the things that we have to deal with. But I think as, like I say, as a team, you Know and and coming together and help each other out, it's just long term, yeah. It's that's what's going to yeah. be success, what makes it successful,
3: right? Well, and the one thing that happened from me going down to Tuna Harbor, Dockside, and I would go down there, and I, it's hard for me to get there because I'll work service at my restaurant, and it'll be like wiping down my cutting board around two in the morning. So then, when I it, then to be down at the market at six, it's hard for me, but when I would make it, I'd go down there and I'd see Jason. And I would see Jojo, I'd see Juan Carlos, I'd see all these guys down there. And I'd be like, who the fuck do these guys think they are <laughs> down here picking through all the best fish When I, because I'm in North County and I, can't, and I got a work service last night. I was like, all right. I was like, I see how it is. So then what I started doing and I got really lucky is I know I grew up in Oceanside and I know at Oceanside Harbor, even though it's kind of under the radar – That's where uh, a couple of the best spot prawn fishermen are going and they got cages for Pacific spot prawns up there. Um, I know also um, I have a fisherman that I met. His name is Cody Wakefield that fishes commercial out of Oceanside Harbor. And I told him about the Tuna Harbor Dockside Market. And one really cool thing is that other commercial fishermen from different parts of san diego including oceanside when they are out at sea and they have a, they load up and they have a big catch they i've talked with norm abell and the guys down there and they, what they'll do is they'll let the these other fishermen bring their catch down and sell it at the market as well so it's not like just the they're they're trying to be open to all the fishermen from all over the city mm, right and inclusive, inco- inclusive yeah. incorporated, and they have to shuffle around like if two guys come there both with boats full of tuna, then you know they have to do some timing adjustments. And I know it's still a biz, it's still a market. But the fact that they're like, yeah, tell them to bring it. Oh, he got a bunch of local yellowtail. Tell them to bring it down because there's none in the market right now, and we want to carry it. Right, you know? it, benefits it benefits everybody, everybody to everybody.
1: have that there. Yeah.
3: So then, luckily, yeah. So now, Oceanside Harbor, which is like seven minutes from my restaurant, now there's the word spread into there, and you'd be surprised. These guys that are like, you know, now I got fishermen from Oceanside Harbor, and they're like, they're like, <laughs> hey, they're like texting me. They're like, hey. Did you hear anything down at Tuna Harbor? Of, uh, you know where they're catching big eye right now, or like you know they're, they're like they're like don't tell anybody, but like where's where is it hot right now? Like where's the bite? And I'm like I'm like in a meeting with all the fishermen from Tuna Harbor. And I was like I can't say right now. I, I can't say, mm-hmm. but um, but I've had gotten lucky, and so these other fishermen now are getting excited, and and he'll bring me like he brought me big white sea bass and big big monster local yellows. And he was calling me on his, uh, you know, can. Like he's on his boat on the way in and you can hear the motor and the, and, the, and the noise in the background, you know, where he's like, I got, I got some fish. You know? And it's so, and then as a chef, you get excited. And then another thing too, is like, just like ha- we have a little garden at Land Water where we plant seeds because we want to everyone to know how important it takes, you know, to get a seed germinated the 48, 50 days to get a beat and then have that beat on your cutting board and respect that beat. You know, but the same thing, like when Jason's talking about the whole fisherman walking through with fish from the tuna harbor market. The same thing when I when we have a local fisherman that comes in. You know, he's, he's bla- sunglasses, his face <laughs> is just roasted red, salty, and he's coming in with his hands and the gills of two huge fish. You know, it's like as a, as a cook, as a chef, as someone who wants to make good food. You know, that's that's so exciting, and because we want, you know, we always. Uh, have worked with now Catalina as well uh, because we take whole fish it 's very important to us as cooks and chefs that we get whole fish we want we want to be able to look our product in the eyes. we want to look at the gills mm-hmm. we want to feel the scales did it did this thing get tail wrapped and they 've unwound it and now the meat 's all blistered inside and look you know the fish got mangled or you know that 's important to us and it and it is true like Dave was saying about you know you have to cut this thing open to really see what it 's like inside. Yeah. So, I mean, I try to...
2: Well, I think you hear so many stories, you know, so many chefs have talked about, I've always heard these stories and a chef I worked for many years ago and I was watching Mind of a Chef last night with David Kinch and they always talk about that moment, the first time they were part of a kill, uh, whether it's a fish. David Kinch last night was the turtle soup in New Orleans where he's from and, and the first time he saw that turtle that, you know, alive and there's a connection, I think, that happens, you know, and I think for us as chefs and, and and dealing with young cooks coming up through the ranks is there has to be a connection that that connection's not there with the food. It's it, it, something's missing. And I think mm-hmm. for us, you know, when we have these whole fish come in and when our cooks see a fisherman mm-hmm. walk through the door and know what they went through and the stories there, that respect is so much more. And when they overcook a piece of fish or they, slip up when they're filleting the fish, they, they almost, they feel it. Like they almost, they feel it, it themselves. Something. It means something to them instead of, ah, oh, who cares? Just throw it in the garbage. Yeah. Right. Not knowing, you know, that something died for us, but also just what it took to get that fish to that restaurant. Right. You know? Right. And I think that is really important. And I don't think there's enough of that connection because that's really when things start to turn for yeah. like, for someone in our uh, industry.
3: Yeah. I, 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 I'm sorry. I check out on the the Facebook, that screen. So there's, there is a, uh, You've, there's Chef Brandon Nichols is on there. Uh that's uh Felipe Orozco and, skip uh, and, my, and Are we on? My, yeah. So we're, and, we're and on Land Chef and Water Co. Yeah.
1: Instagram. Yeah. You can check out the yeah, pictures. Nice. So
3: that those are those that's literally to me and, and the cooks from my restaurant down there picking out their own fish. Uh, you know. And then what was cool is uh is is like Brandon Nichols at, mm-hmm. at the restaurant, he so he's like, okay, well he does his entrees, so he's getting whole halibut, he's getting whole white sea bass, he's getting whatever he can get his hands on. And he and I will go back and you know go through the fish together. But then it'll change, and like he'll be like doing the the steak and the fillet, and yeah. I'll and I'll be going back there. And I was like, dude, I haven't done any of this for years. Like, what's got back here? You know. So I I just wanted to like give a fair shake of the stick to like it's it's a it is a family, and there are like I'm looking at these photos, and I'm like, wow. I was like like Keola, uh, chef Keola Leo at the restaurant. I mean, he made a deconstructed ramen and made a ramen gel and then he's using the fish from the market into that gel or you know it was just uh there's spot prawns from the market you know it's it's amazing to see like um this message has spread and i think it's spread through jason's restaurants that's for sure and created a bigger culture and uh you know i'm just proud to see these other cooks i mean i remember like when jacob brought that uh that little skipjack or whatever he has there he brought (laughs) to the restaurant and gets out his knives and he's like all right he's like I want to learn how to do this. I'm gonna do it right. How do I do it? And so that's a really cool learning experience. Yeah, I I I remember um when we
0: first started dealing with Ironside and our boat my boat came in and my cat goes, Yeah, I got a couple swordfish here, you know, one about one fifty and you know, another one around a hundred. And one of the one turned out like one eighty. And so he says, <laughs> I'll take them. So then we go to them. one's one eighty, the other's like two twenty-five or something. <laughs> so I remember we've got up to us, and he's like what am I going to do with all this? So, <laughs> so we ended up like cutting one of the swordfish in half, remember yeah, taking yeah, it yeah. away. He's yeah. like, I don't know what I'm going to do yeah. with this. So We ended up having to bring one back, yeah, you know. Man. But we walk through the restaurant, and there's people there, and you know, you and it just when we start taking them out of the truck, yeah. to walk them in the restaurant, people just stop even on the street, you know. Yeah. Going, what and then they follow, you know. You see, yeah. well, he sees it. They follow you right into the oh, restaurant. And, you know, it's just, incredible. And so it's it's kind of a uh neat you know neat experience even for us watching that. Yeah. Right
1: it, it does create that connection to the guest. You know, the guest yeah. sees that coming in, you know, and the having the respect for the product and for what well, it what everybody went through to get it to the restaurant and then, you know, to be a oh, guest and, and be a part of that story as well is is really interesting. It right? is
2: and I think it's the, the you know, the neat thing about it all is I think what I try, you know, to be to to do better at is, you know, I know we're not perfect. You know, I know we still have a lot of work to do at Ironside, but I, I know we're trying to do the right thing and we're always pushing towards that, you know, and, and, and I think when building relationships, you know, with Rob, obviously, and our, our friendship and asking questions, what are you doing about this? How do you do this? We're, you know, and, you know, and, and when he, you know, goes and does the travel somewhere and comes back with all this new knowledge or whatever it is, and I think that's part of it and. It really is about pushing forward, you know, and we're not perfect. You know, no one is, it's really hard. It's a struggle every day. I think, you know, Dave said it earlier, you know, my sous chefs, you know, I know it'd be so much easier for them at the end of the night to call, you know, a big box supplier and just order fillet and know it's coming that they know they're getting exactly 20 pounds because that's what they ordered. And then just the butcher in the morning would be a lot easier on the butcher just to chop those fillets up and everyone would get an extra hour of sleep. Yeah. <laughs> knowing that they're committed to that, you know, is what's really special, you know, and I think that is it's that drive and trying to do better, you know, and, and really yeah. like finding like, out things like that one. Yeah, yeah, there's JoJo right there. Yeah, yeah.
1: now we're on uh, Ironside Oyster, yeah, Instagram.
2: Yeah, no, it's, it's that was a beast. Yeah, a lot of what they do. Yeah,
3: and and in, 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 and Tommy was saying it, uh, uh, the the marrow out of the yes, out of the bones yeah. there of the of the spine. Um, the cheeks off the swordfish, the bellies sometimes get trimmed off, you know, they can be, you know, saying that they make those bellies into bacon cause there's so much fat in yep. them, you know? But
2: well, I think, and it's in, 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 a lot of, you know, what we found is the cooks after we do, we, we end up eating all the good parts, <laughs> So to speak, you know, cause most people just want to get that piece of filet and that's what they want to order. Cause that's what they know, yeah. you know, so we're eating the bone marrow, we're eating, you know, the cheeks, yeah. you know, yeah. we're eating the tail, we're eating the fins. And I think that's, what's kind of cool. Yeah. That, that, you know, that was our, that's our butcher. He's, he's actually went with Jojo at uh, lionfish now. And, and, you know, I, I used to love it cause Jeremy was about five foot five, I think and probably about 100 pounds soaking wet. Yeah. And we were getting swordfish in at 120, 130 pounds, and he was breaking them down. Yeah. And I don't know, and, you know, well, there you go, it's 225. That was, mm. no, it says
0: up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Going, that's bigger than 120. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So, you know, and I think that's what, you know, what was really cool about it. Jeremy would get these fish, and he would just stare at them for a couple of minutes and really think, what am I going to do, do I with I this? Do this do thing that? would eat me if it was still alive, you yeah. know? Yeah. Which is pretty cool.
1: So what is what is the biggest threat to local fishermen right now?
0: Well, what you say.
3: you want to chime in on that? <laughs> <day? laughs>
0: well, just, um, um, you know, regulations and then just the new, you know, they're going to have the new development down at Tuna Harbor. And we're just nervous um, um, with what's going to happen. And, you know, um, GAF, is, you know, from GAFCON, mm-hmm. um, we talked to him and, you know, everything seems good with him. Mm-hmm. You know, he comes down to the market and, um, yeah, everything seems. Yeah, from GAFCON. And what and what so, is that, though? That's a developer that's um, going to develop. They they have permission from the port to develop that whole area. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to build, like, just, an, you know, all kinds of different yeah. things. Or it's hard to even figure out what. But we're trying to, they're going to put a lot of, they're saying they're going to put in, like, 2800 parking spots and Mm -hmm. you know just you know a lot of things but it's going to be you know we're wondering how are we going to work when all this is going on and how long is this going to take and you know the traffic down there now the people walking we're just just a lot of people come down there now so we're nervous for g street you know how we're gonna get through all of it working with them Mm -hmm. um there's there's not that much bad will between us or anything. We're just, but it's scary. Like, yeah. what's going to happen? Well, yeah, yeah. So and, then, and then they came up with maybe having it mixed use there. And we're, what's mixed use? This is commercial. We need commercial fishing. We need to have those piers to put our nets on and work on them. Sometimes we tear a net in the middle of the night. Yeah. We have to run in and put it on a dock. If there's yeah. not a dock, we're, how are we going to fix it? Yeah. So we're just scary to, scared about losing our infrastructure there. Um, you know, there's not much we can say about building, so let them build, but don't take away what we have. We want to yeah. keep what we have now and, um, maybe, even, you know, hopefully improve it, but we don't, we can't afford to lose any territory. As you guys see, when mm-hmm. you go down there, the docks are pretty full of the storage for all of our different gear types. Cause yeah. we have so many seasons, you know, are you allowed to fish this for that? In our sheep's head, we're allowed 2,200 pounds for two months. Um, Rock cod, we're allowed 400 pounds or whatever per trip. And I mean, there's just all these restrictions per month. And and so it's hard for us. So we have to have different gear types to survive. Mm -hmm. So you're going from lobster to sheep's head to gill netting, a halibut, white sea bass, to having crab traps out there. And every one of these things needs a separate permit. Mm -hmm. They're all... Basically, limited entry. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's hard, you know, yeah. to, to put all these pieces of the puzzle together and make a living. And then not to know what's going to happen where your whole base of operations. I have on the dock there, I have um, a tuna net, you know, because yeah. we're the last tuna boat in San Diego. So it's the last tuna net in San Diego. So we have that on the dock and the port's like, oh, move it before and like what do you mean move it yeah you know we can't move it and so you know we've had to move you know we've had some issues moving it yeah and then we have you know probably 600 lobster traps 30 fish traps on the yeah. dock uh, yeah. swordfish gill nets on the dock Yeah, those are a mile and so you know it, it we yeah. you know so we're yeah. really you know hoping you know and, and grateful for your guys support and yeah. trying to keep that infrastructure yeah
3: there. that's that's where the whole kind of genesis for this event came from yeah and, and, and you know, you can look at other, you know, look at Pike's Place Market up in yeah. Seattle or look at the Fisherman's Wharf in San Francisco, you know, where where they kind of r- realized the heritage and the importance, not just for the industry, but for the culture surrounding it. And that if we could have that same mindset coming in, that instead of being like, oh, well, you know, where are you going to put this net? Well, I mean, gosh, it's, it's like painful for me to even hear like, like that's the last tuna net in the San Diego is, is what we're talking about when really this came from the world capital of tuna and this industry and I feel like even the like if you look at the San Diego airport when you come in they had they had a for a long time a display of the history of fishing in San Diego through the airport you know you this this culture <clears throat> it, if it can be reimagined to where they're they're like all right well the, we we ha- the, the commercial fishermen need a home. Why not not just maintain their infrastructure? but if with us with a small amount of space and a small amount of effort you could create an environment that would be that excitement of the daily market you could have all these people coming down and having tastes of the sea from different you know purveyors different different people who want to eat food who want to live this life you know it could be a huge source of revenue and a huge source of success and kind of like a badge of pride on the city as opposed to right now like well, that's why we're doing this we want people to see that
2: Right. Yeah. So, and, you know, we have a really huge opportunity here to really like set in some new structures, you know, and, and, and new direction to really help, you know, the fishermen do what they do and keep them going. And, and I think, yeah, there is a good partnership. I think it's about a $1.5 billion project that's going to end up happening down there. And and Dave's right. I mean, who knows how long that takes, you know, that could take 10 years, you know. Um, you know, so it is about you know educating the public and 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 supporting the fishermen trying to get what they need you know they're only asking for you know what they need they're not asking for all the bells and whistles they need a place to do their work yes and I think that's really important a part of this project and if we don't get behind that and support that you know places like Land and Water Company and, and Ironside would really have no meaning anymore and right. it's really and', and we're, you know and, and that's what we are we're local restaurateurs. you know. Ch- you know, trying to support San Diego, and we're proud to be in San Diego, and that's what our connection is to Tuna Harbor. If Tuna Harbor is not there, what is our restaurant anymore? You know, yeah. the, all we fought for and struggled for, really, the meaning's gone. And yeah. without meaning in our restaurants, they're just another restaurant. Yeah,
1: right. What are you doing yeah. it for?
2: Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs>
1: all right, guys. So the event is Rising Tide. Yes, it is tomorrow, May second, and it's at the Land and Water Co. There are still tickets available, correct? Where did they I, sell this morning?
3: I actually didn't look at the t- the ticket sales report this morning, and, All right, and, well. and so what I would say is that anybody interested, please race to landandwaterco.com and try and, <laughs> and see if there's still some available. It, it was one of those things, you know, the nature of of the beast when we do these events, you know, we'll market them for a while and things will kind of happen. But a few days and a day before the event is when everyone really makes a decision. <laughs> That's and the so, San so,
1: Diego culture. is Yeah.
3: So I'm literally like, I just got to, I'm getting messages as we're doing this about like, you need to call me now. The tickets are out of control, uh, you know? So, <laughs> we <Well, I'll, I'll, laughs> gonna have to do a second <laughs> dinner. Right? we we'll yeah. have to do another dinner. Well, yeah. 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 Tell him
0: how many how many how many minutes notice you gave me this morning to be here.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, yeah so I,
0: I, Dave <laughs> called
2: minutes. me, or Dave called me a little bit earlier, and I was doing something, and then I called him at nine forty four, I think it was. And I, and he said he said I'll be there. I'm on my way. And he made it down here in like thirteen minutes. Yeah. Awesome. It's actually an hour drive for him, and he made it in thirteen minutes. No,
0: I live in, <laughs> I live in Bay Park, so I was close. It was nice and close. <laughs> I was so
2: it was nice to have Dave down here, obviously, because it, it, at the end of the day, you know, it, it really is. About a partnership, you know, and and I think we're, you know, we're really excited, you know, and and to keep doing this. And tomorrow's gonna be a lot of fun. And, you know, if you didn't get, you know, tickets for tomorrow night, it might be sold out. We're gonna do another one. We don't know a date, but we will. We always do. And and, uh, we'll we'll figure out some more dinners to do. And, you know, somehow we could do some down at the docks would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Well,
3: I keep trying to talk to, Jason, I th- I've sent him, you know, for some reason he pretends not to get any of the texts. I sent yeah. him. <laughs> okay.
0: Oh, you're not the only one. Okay. Yeah. I like, well, I, I like to
2: think I'm busy, you know, that <laughs> makes me feel important. Okay. Don't feel. <laughs> not, not no, it's okay. He, to
0: get,
1: <laughs> he didn't even respond to me at all on text when okay. I was doing this until I think it was Sunday. Yes. Yeah, yesterday. yesterday. Oh. He's all, can we do it at 10 a.m.? Okay.
3: Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I'm in. Yeah, no, the, we, he and I, I, I've been texting him and I, I, did, I have been wanting to do an event with him in a uh, coming up for maybe november yeah um and then i would love to incorporate the, uh, this you know basically what i'm trying to do is i'm i want to get into side inside some of his restaurants you know so i can like write, write down all the notes and you know steal <laughs> take any of the dishes i like and be like this is awesome you know well, how do you make that lobster roll again yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i I've, i would i think that this is a an an important enough message. I mean, obviously, I mean, without, I literally had the opportunity because another sponsor for the event and, the, and uh, that I have to give some respect to is the yeah. Casamigos Tequila. Yes. You know, they came down and basically said, hey, we like what you guys are doing. How do we get involved and and what can we do? And 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 I was like, well, this is what's important to me right now. I had just been prepping to go to the event at the Broadway Port Pavilion oh, okay. uh, yeah. where this discussion was had. Mm-hmm. Um, And so they're like, all right, cool. Well, let's do it. And I, t- and I just texted Drew, I texted Jason, I texted Jojo, because I just was like, oh, okay, I'm going to do this event, who's available? And every single one was like, within five minutes, is like, actually responded. <laughs> <laughs> and, it was like, and It was like, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Because, you know, everyone here, obviously we have a, uh, uh, you know, our local San Diego seafood, we have a big steak in it and we, we want it. And, you know, we want it to be there for a long time, you know? What we should really, what we really need is to have one of these comic con comic book people write a, so give us a comic book about you know a fisherman with superpowers that catches yeah. fish <laughs> and include the dockside into the comic con experience. And right. I think, and I think they'd be, they'd be set for life that way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: sure. Well, you guys can go check out Tuna Harbor Dockside Market. It's open Saturdays, eight a.m. to one p.m. Um, you can also find uh, Chef Rob Ruiz at Land and Water Co. you have your own Instagram or are you just Land and Water I Co.? I do.
3: I do. I'm, uh, I'm at Chef Rob Ruiz uh, on Instagram, um, there LandandWaterCo.com and, and Land and Water Co. on Facebook. And, um, you know, I just want to say, number one, thank you to Specialty for letting us do this. And Dan and everybody here, all the ladies here have been so kind. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. You are and, welcome. Uh, you know. The time that, you know, Dave and, I mean, these guys fish, these, you know, fishing is no joke. I mean, I, I really want people to be able to see that. Right. And then, uh, you know, and that's a big honor for me to be with Jason. You know, I look, I look up to him a lot, a lot. And that's uh, just because I'm taller than him. No, <laughs> no but uh, yeah. but it's true, man. These guys are, these guys are good, hard working guys and they really care about what they do, you know, and that's who I want to be associated with. Mm-hmm.
2: So. For sure. Yeah, and thank you specialty so, very much. You're thank welcome. you, Kelly, for this. Yeah, yeah. You know, obviously specialty's been a huge part of all our lives. Yeah. You know, and and, and the community. You know, so we do appreciate giving us a voice. Because oh, it's yes. important for us to do that. So thank you. I mean rising
1: right. tides,
0: right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. I I just wanted to thank, you know, it, it's really neat to have someone enjoy our fish. Instead yeah. of just coming in and dropping off, you know, 40,000 pounds and, oh, well, there's a this or that. You know, these guys love getting our fish, and it's really neat to see it utilized in a good way and um, makes us, as fishermen, makes us happier catching them and, you know, makes us take better care of them too because, hey, we want this to look really nice when it comes in or whatever. Yeah, so, yeah, and my cool. crew just, you know— um, just loves it. You know, they love, you know, on this, like this Saturday, my yeah. kids is all excited about coming in and cleaning all the opas and the swordfish yeah. in front of people. They yeah. just love it. So, yeah, it's you cool. Know, it's, it's very cool. Know. So, yep. Yeah. Thank, Thank, Thank you. Thank yeah.
1: you. Um, and you can find uh, Chef Jason McLeod at Ironside Chef on Instagram and com Yes. Yes. All right, guys, thank you for um, joining me on Dine Local SD. You guys can check out dinelocalsd.com for events and offers that are going on in San Diego. And you can sign up for our email and find us on Instagram at dinelocalsd. Thank you. Guys, a- thank you. Well, thank
2: you.